Welcome to Inside Independent Publishing. I'm your host, Christopher Locke. I am also the IBPA Director of Membership and Member Services. Okay, well, surprisingly enough, 2022 is coming to a close. So for those of us who had a terrible year, and yes, I am putting myself in that category, that is actually a good thing. Uh, but for independent publishers and author publishers, it's also a great time to look back on the past year to analyze what worked and did not work for your business so that you can make informed decisions about how to set yourself up for success in 2023. All right. So joining us on the podcast today is founding publisher of Publish Your Gift, Taishina Davis, to share her expertise on how to maximize the potential of your business. Welcome, Ty. Thank you so much for having me, Christopher. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. And oh, and by the way, you're also on the IBPA Board of Directors. Yes. And that is an honor as well. Awesome. All right. So I wanted to start with the whole concept of like, you know, a publisher is going to be trying to assess their year. Um, so I wanted to see like, what is your approach to like, just looking at all of that? Like, do you have a team meeting? Uh, if you do, what are like the specific topics you do in that, that meeting? How do you structure that? So the very first thing I do, you know, as the CEO is, is sit down and I make a dump of all of the wins and then all of our losses, mm -hmm. right? Um, and from there, the next thing I do is a SWOT analysis. And a SWOT analysis, if you're not familiar with this, this is a tool you can like go on Google, you can pull up different templates. But a SWOT analysis is when you are looking at your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And it's really cool because it's like a square and it has it divided into the four squares. So what I do, same thing, is go put my initial dump of what I think right now are our current strengths, our weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And then I advance to what you mentioned, uh, which is bringing the team in and getting their input. And then the same thing, they'll just add to that list of wins and losses and then add all of their information into the SWOT analysis. And then we dissect it and discuss it. Mm -hmm. And I had a question about that. So you know, some indie publishers are like one employee, like they are themselves, right? So then they don't have a team, but do they talk to their freelancers or, I mean, like who then do they have the discussion with? That's a great question. And I think it's very important, although your freelancers might not necessarily be, you know, employees or who you consider essential staff members, they are contributors to your business and they contribute to the success of your business. So their input and insight is super valuable. So yes, I would definitely reach out to them individually. They might not necessarily all come together for a meeting, but individually you can just have like a survey um, and just give them like a link and say, hey, I'm doing an annual survey just to go back and assess our year. If you can take a few moments and complete this. And at the same time, at the end of that survey, there's a space there for you to add additional information or you can email it to me directly. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in terms of, you know, you mentioned that you look at what the wins and losses. So like, what do you that what are some things that you look at? For example, I imagine like how many books your publishing company sold is, you know, on one of those two lists, but like, what are other things that you're like, you know, like just like the correct, the, the list of things like wins and losses normally? Well, I will go back and start with um, our goals. So mm -hmm. every company you should at least have, you know, your annual goals and then you're breaking that down by your quarters. So I would go back and use that as the guide 
Um, and like you said, one of those things, so you're looking for like your key performance indicators, KPIs. Um, so the number of books released might be one of those things, but you also want to look at your revenue goal. Did we generate, you know, the revenue that we were predicting, um, the number of leads, the number of partnerships, if you dive a little deeper, depending on how you market your business, then you want to look at those things as well. Uh, so for me, I am a publisher, but I'm also an author. <laughs> so um, I market my business through my author and speaking services. So I'm looking at things like that as well. If early in the year, I set a goal to maybe have 20 speaking engagements this year. Did I reach that goal? So, you know, those are kind of the wins and losses um, in terms of really looking at goals and objectives. But then sometimes it's things that's a little intangible. Right. So it, you might want to look at, hmm, there was an opportunity here for me to maybe and I'll just use IVPA since we're all members and we want to have realistic information here. There were opportunities throughout the year where I know that I was struggling or had issues or just questions and I could have turned to IBPA. You know, mm -hmm. I could have attended the webinars. I could have showed up to maybe the roundtables. I could have reached out to Christopher and asked more about member benefits. Like there's a lot of things I could have done and I didn't do. We're going to put those as failures. And it doesn't mean that you're a failure, right? Or your business are a failure. But again, yeah. these are just opportunities um, where the upcoming year, you can definitely turn those into goals and then have definitive objectives and, and really target with achieving these things. I'd say if someone didn't reach out to IBPA, that is a failure. So, <laughs> um, no, I mean, we are here to help. So, um, you know, of course we want people to reach out. Okay. So something like about like, cause I know book sales is going to be something people are going to look back on. Um, and the hard thing is to determine because you want to learn from what worked and what didn't but sometimes it's hard to determine like how like how many books you sold like you're doing so many different marketing campaigns realistic and all that like how do you look at and figure out like what were the successful ones if you're running like eight different campaigns at once for any given book well that's something you know we should be assessing throughout the year mm -hmm. um and even, you know, monthly, depending on how big your company is, maybe that's feasible, maybe it's not, but I would not wait until the end of the year to look at that. And, and you know, we're talking about recapping this year and, and things we can do for next year. If you're not looking at those numbers, at least quarterly, you want to start doing that for the upcoming year. Um, but to answer your question, Christopher, one thing you can do is just go back and pull the sales report. So I'm, I'm hoping that when we're releasing these books, we're looking at our pre-launch, we're setting pre-launch goals, we're setting release goals, and then post-release goals. So if you break it out like that, and now you pull your numbers and go back and see, okay, during pre-sales, did we hit the numbers, you know, doing post-release? And I look at post-release being the first um, 60 days, because at that time, it's still kind of fresh and, you know, you're still doing a lot of publicity and marketing. And then after 60 days, it tends to die down, especially for those who may not have aggressive marketing campaigns. Um, it starts to die down a little but you should still be out there um, talking about your book and, and doing things. So that's how I would assess it. And um, that's how you can pretty much 
measure, okay, this was good or this was bad. Now, another thing you could do um, is when you're setting these goals, aside from just the dollar amount itself. So example, if we're saying, okay, during pre-sales, the goal was $20,000. Along with that, set a percentage goal. So, okay, $20,000 is the goal, but if we don't hit 20,000, we also want to look at this 75%. Did we at least hit 75%? So then at the end of the year, when you're assessing, you can look at both of those numbers and kind of determine what success or failure. So I wanted to ask like specifically for you. So, you know, you, uh, last year, I'm sure you had, you know, you made goals for this year. Um, I don't know if you've done an analysis yet for what, how your year was, but, um, do you have anything from your year that, you're like, okay, that worked or didn't work. And then do you already know how you're going to try to solve it? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I have a list of things. Um, and I'll start with processes. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the biggest things because what I find being an entrepreneur, not just, you know, as a publisher, but some other ventures I have, and then just talking to colleagues as well, One of the number one challenges that we all face are inefficiencies in our systems and processes. So Mm -hmm. um, throughout the year, I noticed a few things and I was like, gosh, if maybe I would have taken some time out to address this problem, fix the process early on, then that would have prevented these other things where we had deficiencies or losses um, throughout the year. So, yes, I've, I've already started going back, looking at our processes and specifically those areas where I could be a bottleneck. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we don't want to admit that, you know, because we're like the owners or the head honchos of the business. So we don't want to admit to ourselves, number one, and then definitely to our teams like, oh, yeah, it's my fault that, you know, these projects are going out late or mm. uh, we're having delays, but own it. You know, you are the owner. So you have to own everything. And that's the good and the bad. So one of the processes, Christopher, that we've been looking at is um, our design process. Over the years, I've been a bottleneck. And for whatever reason, I've just decided, oh, it's okay. We'll just keep flowing and doing it the way we're doing it. Like the projects are still getting out. The clients are happy, whatever. But no, we need to fix these things. So I sat down with my team and we actually did something called structure problem solving. And and it's, I don't know if anyone's checked it out yet, but it's actually in the latest um, uh, the latest, I was going to say episode. It's not the episode. (laughs) IBPA independent. Okay. The magazine. Yeah. Yes. The magazine. Um, there's an article there where I talk about this and, and structured problem solving is one of the most underrated skills in organizations because we usually, what tends to happen is we find a problem and instantly go into solution mode. Mm -hmm. And that's because of the way that our brain works. You know, we have that part of the brain that's very analytical. And then we have the part of the brain that's automatic. We usually jump to automatic. So what happens is we take the the wound, slap a Band-Aid on it, and then we're back to normal. But that wound appears three months later, six months later, because we really didn't get to the root cause to cure it. So with that being said, that's one of the things um, that I wrote down on on our list. And I'm like, okay, we need to stop putting Band-Aids on things and really get to the root cause. And I discovered a few processes, um, you know, where we having issues. 
And we've already started working on two of them so that we can start the year off fresh. But um, we're starting to like just identify more and just dump. Yeah. And so when you say process, like this is like um, it's not like necessarily like a software, like title management or something. It's more like uh, this person gets the file first and then I have to look at it and then they get it back and then I have to look at it again. And then you're like, wait a second, why do I have to look at it? You know, like you're trying to figure out how to whatever's slowing the process down. Then you're like, here's a faster way to do that. Right. Like exactly. That. Okay. Yeah. So that's what it is. It's fixing like the processes and procedures, like the exact steps to go from A to Z for mm-hmm. the different activities that we do throughout the business. And and that was the thing for me It's you, you hit it nail on. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have like some binoculars and you see what's going on over here. <laughs> oh, I'm paying very close attention to your business. So I'm, I'm trying to, to buy it out basically. Uh, but don't worry, I'll give you a billion dollars. I'll take it right now. <laughs> oh, we did. We, the sale's done. <laughs> done. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's exactly one of the things we noticed is that there's this review process, a part of um, our design process when we're getting the project briefs where I have to review it and then I get feedback. And then sometimes I will say, okay, pause. We're not going to advance so that we can actually start the uh, creative process because I need to collect more information from the author. I need to get clarity, whether it's the branding, the messaging, et cetera. And to do that, I got to wait until we have the planning call. Well, sometimes the author doesn't book the planning call in the time frame which we would want according to the publishing timeline. So then what happens? I'm busy. I got a lot of stuff going on. So then it just winds up being put on the back burner, back burner, back burner. We eventually get it done and we get it done before the pre-sales time. But when we're looking at all the other things we have on the projects overlapping, et cetera, it's like, no, this should have been done way sooner. So yeah, we came up with something and, and looked and said, okay, let's start looking at activities do you actually need to be the person to do this thing? Do you need to be the person to be informed about this thing? Or are you the person that needs to be consulted about this thing? Or are you the person that's accountable for this thing? So when we started looking at it that way, it was like, well, wait, I I don't need to be the doer. I don't have to be the person doing this. Someone else can do this. I just need to be consulted. Right. Because when it comes to the branding and making sure the titles and messaging, the uh, cover elements, all of that stuff meets our standards. Yes, I, I might need to be consulted about that, but I don't need to be the person to do it. So, look, just that quick. We found something and we fixed it. And now we're we're using that process. And I think we need to to do this more often, Christopher, is definitely not, you know, at the end of the year, mm. but this is something that we should be doing in our organizations day in, day out, um, especially when it comes to processes, because we have so much, so much, there's just so many dynamics in our organization. Things are changing day to day. And some of those things we can control, some of those things we can't control. Um And you have so much dynamic talent in your organization. So you don't have to do everything by yourself. Sometimes we think we do. Oh, that's my responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, if there's someone else in the organization that has this great skill set or this great strength, 
although it's not their responsibility, why not have a conversation with them and say, listen, this is something that I think, you know, you could definitely do, or at least I could get your input and utilize that talent um, so that you can improve processes in real time, opposed to trying to do things like at the end of the year, because we lose out. We Then that's how some of those failures can happen or some of those leaks, you know, throughout the year. And it can be prevented. Well, and also that's a really important point for indie publishers. So a lot of times you're the, you started it and the thing is you start being successful and then you're trying to scale up, but you're used to doing everything. So there's this point where you have to start delegating, but it's difficult one, because you're like, well, we're successful because I did all this stuff, but also, you know, um, you, you think that that is the way that just has to be done because it's always been done that way. So I, I love that you've been able to step back and, you know, and it's also, you know, it's like a humbling thing to, you know, it shows that you have humility where you're like, Hey, I, I don't have to run everything like this. You're in, by the way, it makes employees feel great. Cause they're like, Oh, you trust me to do this. Thank you. You know? So, um, I think that's a really important point. Um, and on that note, you've mentioned to me before about the five why analysis. Um, so can you explain what that is? Yeah, the five why, five why analysis is um, one of the many tools that exists to identify um, the core problem or what we call the root problem, um, the root cause to a problem. So, for example, that, you know, what I was just sharing with you about the design process, when I got together with the team, the very first thing we did is came up with our problem statement, like, what is the problem? What is the issue? And we know that the issue is that the design brief forms aren't being um, assigned to the graphic designer according to our publishing timeline. Okay, great. But once we fix this problem, how are we able to actually measure that it has been fixed and, and moving forward, continuing to monitor um, the effectiveness. So you want to make sure when you're identifying problems in your organization, it's not just that simple of stating what the problem is, but you want to have uh, quantifiable indicators, right? So where are we currently? Ideally, where do we want to be? And then what's that percentage gap, right? So we started there. And for my company, we saw, I think it was like an 84% uh, gap in, and that was between the time the cover is supposed to be assigned um, compared to when it's actually being assigned. And then we noticed that gap. So now we can actually set goals, right? It's not just, oh, we want to fix this, but it's, oh, we want to improve this 84% gap to 100%, right? Or 0%. Well, that would be it. <laughs> we want to do zero, or it can be incremental. We want to take it from 84 to 50 by in the next three months or from 50 to 25 in the next you know, six months, et cetera. And then from there, Christopher, is when we start looking at, OK, so you've you stated the problem, but why does it exist? It, we're saying it's because Ty is busy. We're saying all these things. But do we really know? Like, let's get to the root cause. So this tool of um, five why analysis you, you start right there. So the very first thing, why? Because Ty is not getting this task done in time. Why? So you start peeling back the onion. Well, why isn't Ty getting the task done on time? Because Ty is doing one, two, and three things. 
Okay, well, why is Ty doing one, two, and three things? Because Ty needs additional support and resources, and that's why. Okay, well, why does she need additional support and resources? So as as you continue peeling back and peeling back, once we got, and usually once you get to like that fifth layer, that's when you'll identify the root cause. But believe it or not, something, something, I'm not going to say as simple as, but something we probably all experience in our businesses, not being able to get tasks assigned on time, that particular one, the root cause wind up being it's a sales problem. <laughs> it's because uh, we're generating, you know, a certain number of leads, but the conversion rates that we need to make sure if, if we were able to generate a certain amount of leads, convert at the goal that we've set, then we will be able to have additional funds where we can now bring on new staff members. And now these staff is so right. So those staff members are going to help free up some of this stuff that Ty's doing. Once that frees up Ty, then Ty can now focus on other things because now she's becoming more available. Okay, we go back up. Oh, so now maybe Ty could get this done in, in this certain amount of time. Or can we look at, well, we're saying Ty needs to get this done in five days. Would it be more feasible and realistic if we say this task should be 10 days, right? Mm -hmm. So you get so much out of doing that exercise, I mean, we actually wind up doing three versions of that because there was so much as we were peeling, peeling, peeling. And we were like, wow. And again, this is why it's important to have this approach when you're when you're looking at problems. Don't just look for how can we solve the problem? Look for what opportunities can we find in the problem? And then that just open, opens up a whole nother level of, um, you know, just great things that that you can create for your business. Well, personally, I just like to complain. So you're you're trying to get me to stop looking at problems as problems. I don't know about this. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, I do want to move on to how you set goals and stuff. So but I want to make sure that it, like, is there anything else about like just how you analyze your past year or things that you do uh, you normally look for when you're analyzing. I just want to make sure we don't miss something that you were like, this is the other important analysis tool I use. No, actually those, those are the things um, I said. So a lot of people are familiar with KPIs, key performance indicators. Um, I actually find OKRs um, more effective and OKRs are your objective key results. Mm -hmm. So, and, and although KPIs and OKRs are, are similar, there is a distinction because when we think about the result, then that's kind of like what we're targeting period. So if the, if, if we're setting an OKR to say, well, we want to increase our newsletter subscribers, you know, by 10,000 this year or by 75%, okay. That's the goal, but what's the result of that? How how is that actually going to impact the business? Because you can get as many subscribers as you like, but mm. 
how is that going to turn into conversion or whatever it is that you want? So um, that is something I think people should check out as well if they've never heard of OKRs. That's another mm-hmm. great way um, to look at your business. But yeah, the SWOT analysis, that's that's my thing. The SWOT analysis, my 5K, um, my, my 5Y analysis, those are the tools that I use to guide me. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about goals. So I'm interested in the types of goals that you set. Um, Cause I really like that you're so organized with how you do all this. Um, and I don't, I know I'm not, um, and I don't know how many other indie publishers are. So like, do you have like a set list of goals you normally like, like every year you're like, I'm going to, you know, get more book sales. I'm going to hire new employees or whatever. Or is it literally just fresh every new, every year. And you're just like, what do I want to do or accomplish? No, so we definitely add new things every year, but we just start off with a a very simple framework of looking at the four core areas of your business. So the very first thing is you have to have operations. Without operations, nothing happens. Mm -hmm. So you have operations, and then what's the next thing that drives your business? Marketing, because you don't market, no one knows about it. But once they find out about it, then we have sales. And yay, now that we have sales, the next thing that we have our finances to manage. So those four core things, your operation, marketing, your sales, and then your finances. So then within those areas, you start mapping out your goals. So for operations, you mentioned, you know, um, getting more staff. That may be a goal for the year. We want to bring on, you know, two new uh teammates and then you can drill down the details of whether that's full-time part-time or a freelancers you know etc and so yeah you look at all your operational goals and then your marketing goals i just mentioned one subscribers or maybe it may be um maybe you want to start a podcast this year and we were talking about that you know earlier maybe you want to start a podcast maybe you want to um be an exhibitor this year so that you can go out and market your business. Well, how many events would you like to attend so that you can exhibit? Maybe you want to speak, you know, okay, I want to speak to market the business. How many speaking engagements? And let's drill that down. How many virtual speaking engagements versus live speaking engagements? So, you know, you start going through all of those. Obviously, when it comes to the sales and finances, I think all businesses will probably have, or at least should have, the same sort of goals because there's a common thread amongst all of us as publishers. We're looking at um, our sales for the business, but then we're also looking at book sales. We're looking at the number of authors we want to bring on, um, you know, so all of those. And yeah, that's how we break it down. That And again, I love it. It's very detailed. Um, you know, I think sometimes people think, um, not like so broadly, but I love that you have categories and all that. So that's great. Um, so, I mean, you, you're a successful entrepreneur. And so I wanted to see like some kind of specifics, like in, you've grown your business over the years. So like, what are some of the things that were the most helpful were, that really helped you grow? Like you were mentioning getting subscribers or something like that. Um, or it was there some, um, you know, title management program that you got where you were like, oh my gosh, it organized everything for us. Uh, so what are some things that really kind of put you to that next level in terms of growing? Well, there were two things with, you know, growing and scaling. And I hear that word scale so much. And I think that some people, I think 
especially now on social media, people have just like glamorized the word scale so much that everyone thinks they are doing it, need to do it. And it's like, pause, because before you can scale, you need to grow. There's a there's a distinction there, right? So for me, in terms of growing, one of the things that I've done and I still continue to do is uh, partnerships. Mm-hmm. And I'm always looking at who has access to my audience. So yeah, while you can grow your subscribers and you can grow your social media followers and all of that, let's let's think about if this online stuff didn't exist. Because we know for sure that there are many successful organizations that were here prior to the digital world and they still exist and they're still thriving and they're doing great. So what did they do? And when you go back and look at that, it's people laugh at me, Christopher, because I always say that um, I kind of admire the mob and not because they (laughs) whack people or still whack people, whatever they do. (laughs) Okay. That's not the stuff I'm into. Yeah. But what I admire is the business, um, the way that they went about organizing partnerships, because their mindset has always been, listen, there's enough for all of us. Right. So I rather have 10 percent of the pie or a piece of the pie opposed to the entire pie. And when we start thinking like that, some people are just so selfish and they they just want to think about me, 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 and who I don't want to share and competitors and all of that. Scrap that. Scrap that type of stinking thinking. Because, again, it's better to have a piece. And not only that, that opens you up to meeting more people and getting more eyes on what you have. So I say all that to say partnerships is the name of the game. Who has access to the people that you want to reach? So for my company, we publish nonfiction, prescriptive type books, transformational type books. Okay, well, who are the authors that I'm looking for that will write these type of books? And who are they going to to get assistance? They're going to life coaches. They're going to business coaches. They're going to career coaches, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what I did early on, Christopher. Um, I would attend these type of networking events. I would be on Twitter, looking up different types of Twitter chats, LinkedIn. I would join different groups, entering conversations, engaging, um, inviting people to have a conversation, telling them about what I'm doing and asking people what are their problems? Like, what are your current challenges in your business? Like, how can I help you? And coming from that perspective, opposed to, hey, I noticed you work with all of these great coaches and I publish for these people and I would love, no, 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 no. What, it, what how can I help you? Right. And from there, you just kind of build these, these partnerships. Now with that, you will get some people that are like, look, I'm going to send you all this business. What's in it for me? And then you'll have some people that that aren't like that. They're like, I just truly want to support you. I'm not looking for any financial gain. However, that's okay. You know, if someone asks, well, do you offer a rev share or something like that? So I would already have that mapped out as well as you're um, approaching people that you want to do partnerships with. Be ready to present that to them and say, hey, listen, I'm not coming to you for a handout or anything. I actually I'm I'm truly, truly invested in helping you grow as well. So I do offer um, a rev share, you know, or I offer referral fees. And for rev shares, I wouldn't just go around giving everybody 20 percent or 30 percent just because they referred someone to you. But let that be for those people that bring you large volumes. You know, Mm -hmm. so if they're bringing you like 10 clients 
um, every quarter or something like that. And these are people that for sure, you know, are going to work with you. Like they're just signing the contract. You don't even have to go through that whole process of trying to sell yourself because this coach or whoever has already done that. And then, yes, that makes sense because you're bringing me a lot of business and I probably wouldn't have been able to reach these people, convince these people, convert these people without you. So I don't mind giving you a higher piece of the pie. But if it's just kind of one-offs where people just, hey, go over there and let them know I sent you, then maybe it can just be a flat fee. Um, so I know that was a, a long answer to your question, but as you know, by now, I'm pretty detailed and mm -hmm. uh, like to thoroughly explain everything because I think that's another thing, Christopher. Um, a lot of us, a lot of people, um, and I know me during my entrepreneurial journey, I would attend a lot of events, listen to podcasts, attend webinars, all of these things. And people are constantly telling you what, 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 mm -hmm. but they're not giving you the how. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I need to know how. And then to get that, they're like, oh, I have this program. It's twenty thousand dollars. It's like, come on, you know, come on. We're all out here with the same common goal. We're trying to learn. We're trying to grow. We're trying to change the world. We're trying to change lives through the type of work that we do. So why can't we just share a little stuff like this? So that's why I'm so detailed in my answer. No, well, I mean, I mean, it would be terrible if I asked you questions on here and you were like, yes, I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna be a short interview. Boring. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so well, look, look, I love your mom theory. I want you and I to partner up. If bookstores don't carry our books, we'll tell them we'll break their legs. Like that, yeah. let's, let's just start doing that. We, we, we said it here. Um, so I also, something I want to hit on is the idea of having to make tough decisions. So I just want to see like, are there any things like at the end of the year, for example, like, you know, maybe letting staff go because you didn't make enough revenue that year. Uh, what are some things, how do you go through that process of like, oh God, and now I got to make this decision. This is going to be really tough. Yeah, it's hard. Um, and I've, I've had to do that. And just recently, I actually had to furlough three of my mm. core staff members. And it's just because of what's going on in the world right now. Mm -hmm. You have to make that decision. Do you put yourself in the seat of potentially drowning? You know, do you go ahead and drown or do you be proactive and be smart and say, I don't want to hurt feelings. I don't want to offend. You know, I don't want to stop these people. I know they have families and they're kind of dependent on me. But mm. wouldn't it be worse if you say, hey, listen, I can't help you at all? <laughs> like, mm. you know, so you just have to be honest and, and, and be honest with yourself. And my approach, Christopher, I just I've always treated my team members like family. Even the freelancers, um, I was in tears a few weeks ago when I was sending out notices and the freelancers, I didn't necessarily have to let them know what was going on, you know, because they're not considered the core team members. But that's just always been my approach. Like I, I keep them informed and, and, and make them feel like they're a part of everything. So I did let them know, hey, just to let you know, some folks, you know, these notices were sent to them. This is what's going on. This is the plan. Just wanted to keep you in the loop. And they so appreciated that. I mean, so appreciated. Uh, I had one freelancer reached out and he's like, listen, mark all of my invoices zero and put them at the bottom of the list. And I'm just like, whoa, you know, so you use the word humility earlier. I think as leaders, um, you know, you definitely have to come up with your own leadership style. 
But just remember that we're working with people. We're not working with robots. <laughs> we're not working with animals. We're working with people and empathy, um, grace, humility. I think those are the business ingredients that we need to have more conversations about. We talk mm. about marketing and sales and operations, but what about those, again, those, those intangible things? I think that's so important. And if I can just plug a book really quickly, um, Gary Vaynerchuk, his book, 12 and a half, it was released last year around this time, but that's what it talks about. He talks about his, uh, his 12 are the things that he's identified as like these essential business ingredients we should have, compassion, all of these things. And his half is his his virtue that he believes in. But um, it's it's hard. It's hard to have these conversations, but you have to do it. And then I would say be creative. All, when, when you're, if you have to do um, cut cuts doesn't necessarily have to be a layoff. It might not be, maybe it can be a furlough, right? So that's what I did. I didn't necessarily lay off my people. I just said, we need to do a three month furlough. And these are the positions that I consider non-essential and, um, You'll come back, you know, March 1st, and I'll keep you updated throughout the process, et cetera. If you find something else and decide that maybe you won't be coming back, please just let me know. No biggie. And uh, believe it or not, all of them volunteered to continue working during the mm. furlough without pay. Oh, so wow. it was a crazy week, Christopher, because I started off that day. I think that was like Thursday, two weeks ago. Um, in tears, just, it was a horrible day for me. It was a horrible day. And then the next day I was in tears, but they were happy tears. Mm -hmm. And, um, it all goes back to, to your leadership style, treat people the way that you want to be treated. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for being candid about that. I'm sorry that it, that was so difficult. Um, you know, I would say, uh, if you have to fire an animal, you should email them too. Like that's also <laughs> important. They have feelings too, Ty. Um, they, and they, have, they have families to feed to. <laughs> uh, you you look, you're talking to a vegan. I had to say something. Okay. <laughs> look, you, um, so you have a, like a real gift for like business advice and stuff. I, do you, does publisher gift to any business consulting or you're, I know like this last half hour was for free, but uh, anyway, I'm just interested. Yeah. So outside of the company, I have Tashina Davis and co. And I offer consulting services, whether it's like a 45 to hour, if you just have like burning questions and you're like, I just need someone to answer this question, give me the solution. Um, we have that, I have that option. Um, and then I also do VIP days, which are four to five hour VIP days. I used to do those in person. I would like have you come here, I come to your location, but um, I'm currently just doing them virtually. And with those, we really dig into those four core areas I talked about, your business, four core business areas. We do a SWOT analysis and mm -hmm. uh, in addition to some other things um, so that we can come out with some clear strategies, objectives and uh, goals for for your your business. So, yes, I do offer that in. You know, people can just reach me directly at uh, Ty at mm -hmm. stydavis.com. Great. I'm glad you do that. Again, I, I mean, I, you, you're, you're really good at this, you know, like this is something that you clearly have a talent for. So I'm glad that you, you offer that. And, and by the way, am I going to be getting an invoice in the mail for this podcast? Uh, 
you're like, oh, and this is going to be $300. Like, what the, <laughs> why don't you tell me in the beginning? Um, so just send the bill to IBPA, by the way. Um, so, okay, well, that's all we have time for. Um, but uh, publish your gift. Um, your, your, check out, I'll include links um, for people, but th these are these are really great um, other services you do. But also check out Publish Your Gift, everyone. Um, what's the uh, website for Publish Your Gift? So Publish Your Gift is publishyourgift.com. And that's no S on the end. People always mess that up for some reason. It's just gift, G-I-F-T. <laughs> and then um, Ask Ty Davis are like all things, you know, Ty. So you'll learn about all the things I do there. And if I could just mention, Christopher, I have a new book coming out in 2023. Oh, congratulations. Woo! So excited about it. It's Authorlocity. And it's the one essential strategy to quickly frame, demonstrate, and amplify your unique expertise because everyone has unique expertise, but sometimes we just don't know how to um, demonstrate that. And it's it's really good. It's for career professionals. So anyone here, you know, it could definitely apply to you. Um, but it, it is, a, it's not a book talking about how to write a book. It's more so how do you frame your expertise and then demonstrate it through writing a book. So I do provide a very specific um, framework that I developed on how to do that and kind of set yourself apart in this crowded marketplace. So mm -hmm. I'm excited about that. Congratulations. That's awesome. And are you saying I'm special too? Is that? You I, are. <gasps> what? <laughs> no one can do it like you do it. All right. Yay. Um, well, congrats. Uh, that's awesome. Um, okay. Well, everyone, um, this has been great. I've learned a lot. Uh, make sure that you check out also IBPA. Uh, it, this podcast is uh, Independent Book Publishers Association sponsor. And uh, check out our website, ibpa-online.org. Uh, so we hope you become a member. Um, and then also subscribe to this podcast. Uh, it's on YouTube, but then anywhere you normally download podcasts. Uh, it's the last Thursday of every month. Um, Ty, you're awesome. Thank you for everything you do for IBPA. And thank you for all this information here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank IBPA. I mean, such a great organization. Thank you so much for all you do. Of course. Thank you, everyone. Bye.